We all love to get out on the open road, see the country, feel the wind in our hair. But if you have the same car you've been driving for years, you might not feel so great after a car breakdown, unless you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield is America's most trusted vehicle protection company, and for almost 20 years, they've helped Americans protect their out-of-warranty vehicles. From car and trucks to SUVs, a plan through CarShield can protect up to 5,000 parts and systems and save you big dollars on your engine, transmission, entertainment system, and more. It's as easy as going to carshield.com Shapiro. With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service, as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to carshield.com Shapiro now. That's carshield.com Shapiro to save 20% today. A mass shooting in Allen, Texas, and a car ramming in Brownsville, Texas, shake the nation. As Title 42 ends, border chaos breaks out, and protesters swarm the New York subway system to demand prosecution over the death of Jordan Neely. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, folks, it is hard to know what to think these days. One of the reasons that it's very difficult to know what to think is because we don't have a common set of facts. And one of the reasons that we don't have a common set of facts is because our legacy media do not tell you the whole truth. Our legacy media pick and choose which narratives are the ones that you are supposed to be told about because you can't be trusted with the actual facts in many, many cases. And what this means is that very often you'll see a crime and it's perfectly obvious what the motivation for the crime is, but you are not told the motivation for the crime. Or there's a crime and you're not told all the relevant facts about the crime because you can't be trusted with those facts. But certain other types of crime, the motivation will be made known to you absolutely at the very beginning. The identity of the person who committed the crime will be given to you right at the beginning. And so you start to think as the consumer, I don't know what to believe because sometimes the motivations are hidden. Sometimes the motivations are handed to me. And sometimes I don't know enough about the crime to even tell. And I'm supposed to believe the media when then they lay out a set of facts obviously lead toward one narrative, but refuse to lay out a completely different set of facts in another case that lead toward a narrative they don't particularly like. This leads to mass confusion and it leads to speculation and it leads to people putting out bad information and it leads to people believing that bad information. Let me give you today's example. So over the weekend, there's a horrific shooting in Allen, Texas at a mall and federal officials immediately have come out and mentioned the motivation of the shooter in this particular case. According to the Associated Press, Federal officials are looking into whether the gunman who killed eight people at a Dallas area mall expressed an interest in white supremacist ideology on Sunday as they worked to discern a motive for the attack. A law enforcement official told the Associated Press the official cautioned the investigation is in its early stages. So federal officials are immediately leaking into the Associated Press and other members of the media that they think this is a white supremacist shooting. Now, what's weird about that is that this happened in Allen, Texas. I believe virtually everybody who was shot was white. The shooter in this case, and we don't mention the names of mass shooters on my program because... As a member of the media, I tried to do the only responsible thing I can do in this position, which is to not glorify by naming shooters their actual names. The name of the shooter, and I won't mention his actual name, is extremely Hispanic. This is an extremely Hispanic name. And so it is pretty obvious that this not only is it an extremely Hispanic name, it turns out that the parents of the suspected Texas mall shooter have actually had to request a translator, according to reports cited by Fox News. The only details regarding the suspect are that he was in his 30s and lived at home with his parents. Apparently, he had some background as a security guard. There was some talk about him being discharged from the military, that he'd served in the army, and then he'd been discharged for being mentally unwell. 
But there's a person who is not white. This is a person with a with a Hispanic background. And he's immediately being labeled by the entire media in terms of white supremacist ideology. Now, it's possible this guy is mentally unbalanced and therefore white supremacist. It's possible he's delusional in terms of his own race. And therefore, he believes that he's a white supremacist or maybe he is just a white supremacist. Right. All those things are on the table. What is the evidence that he actually was a white supremacist? Well, according to the Associated Press, the shooter had a patch on his chest when he was killed by police that read RWDS, which is an acronym for the phrase right wing death squad, which is popular among right wing extremists and white supremacy groups, according to that official. In addition to reviewing social media posts, federal agents have also interviewed family members and associates of the shooter to ask about his ideological beliefs. According to that official, investigators are also reviewing financial records, other online posts they believe that the shooter made, and other electronic media, according to the official. The Allen police chief actually declined Sunday evening to answer questions, saying, we don't actually have a lot at this point. And again, this is leading to a lot of speculation about whether we are being told the truth, because again, this is a person with a very, very Hispanic name and whose parents are obviously Hispanic. They required an English translator in order to answer questions from the cops. Why is why exactly is it important how fast the media came out with this particular narrative? It's important simply because you can tell by way of contrast how slowly the media come out with other narratives that don't actually match their narrative. It makes you doubt the narrative in this case because they've been so slow about other narratives. So let me give you an example. The Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting. So several years ago, there was a shooting at a gay club in Orlando. And the original media narrative was this must have been a right winger who hated gay people and therefore went and shot up the, the gay nightclub. And then there was speculation that this person was actually a, a repressed homosexual, had gone to the nightclub and shot up the nightclub. It turned out that in all likelihood, the shooter was an Islamic extremist. The same thing happened 20 years ago during the Fort Hood shooting. Fort Hood, member of the military, signed up for the military, obviously radicalized by a group like ISIS or Al-Qaeda. The shooter in that particular case murdered a bunch of American service members, and we were told it was an act of workplace violence because the media decided it you could not know what exactly the narrative was that drove this particular shooting. Or to take another example, there have been a bevy of attacks, including shooting attacks, on Jews by members of the Black Hebrew Israelites over the course of the last couple of years. Has there been a widespread media examination of the ideology of the black Hebrew Israelites and, and their toxic, anti-Semitic, and yes, racist ideology? Of course not. We haven't had that widespread conversation. But literally the minute the media are able to identify any aspect of white supremacist ideology, they report on it. Now, this is not obviously to excuse white supremacist ideology, which is evil. White supremacism is evil. I couldn't be more clear about this. I've been speaking about this for years. White supremacy is one of the highest forms of evil on planet Earth. But there are many evil ideologies and only certain types of evil ideologies get exposed by the media right away. Here's another example, the latest example of an ideology that is completely ignored by the media. We are still supposed to believe that it is a giant mystery why a woman who identified as a trans man went and murdered a bunch of Christian school children in Nashville. This is all supposed to be a mystery. We still don't have the manifesto from this person. We're still, we, we don't know supposedly why this person did what she did. When it is perfectly obvious to everyone why she did what she did. But we're supposed to pretend that it's a mystery wrapped in enigma. Depending on the ideology, the narrative that is supported by a particular shooting or undermined by a particular shooting, that is when the media decide that you are worthy of knowing the truth about that particular shooting. And this is why there's so much confusion. It's why there's so much speculation, because now people are led to speculate. They're led to say, OK, well, I don't, the same media that refused to tell me why this trans shooter murdered a bunch of Christian school kids, and they say that it's a mystery wrapped in enigma, that same media is jumping immediately without full information on this, on this other shooting in Allen to its white supremacy. Well, can I see a picture of the guy? Uh, who is the guy? What's his background? Does he have gang tattoos? Right, there's all sorts of speculation online about this sort of stuff. 
I'm not saying that speculation is justified. I am saying that the mood that leads to the speculation is justified because, again, we are constantly being given partial information by a media that refuses to trust us with actual fact when it comes to crime. Instead, we are just told what we are supposed to believe. And if we doubt that narrative, then it must be because we are complicit with the ideology that is evil in the math. Get to more on this in just one second, because this also extends to the case of Jordan Neely. First, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of the show, ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. I only recommend brands to my listeners that I actually believe in and use. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN, it is, in fact, the best VPN on the market. I've been using it myself for years. ExpressVPN will not log your online activity. Lots of cheaper free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN won't do this. They've even developed a trusted server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN now uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. While other VPNs can sometimes slow your connection, ExpressVPN is always blazing fast. You can even stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. The last thing that really sets up ExpressVPN, it's easy to use. It's really easy to use. One button to download, one button to activate, you're good to go. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash Ben. My listeners will get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Go check them out right now. We'll get some more on this in just one second. First, with inflation on the rise, 20 bucks barely gets you anything these days. In most restaurants, you can't get a burger and fries for under that. How about it like at the gas pump? Well, you might be able to get like a quarter of a gallon or something. I mean, like really, gas is getting very expensive. But from my cell phone company, Pure Talk, you can get unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. Pure Talk gives you the same quality of service as your current cell phone provider, but for half the cost. I want to ensure you heard that. This is top-tier coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the cost of other carriers. The average family will save almost 1000 bucks a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can switch to Pure Talk with the phone and phone number you currently use, or you can take advantage of their great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Making the switch is incredibly easy. Their U.S. customer service team can help you join Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes. Choose to spend your hard-earned money with a wireless company that shares your values, supports our military and veterans, a company that creates American jobs and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Don't spend another day spending ridiculous amounts of money on your phone plan. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Right now, my listeners can get an additional 50% off their very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Alrighty. Meanwhile, the, as we say, officials across, across the United States are suggesting that white supremacy is the rationale here. And there are a lot of people online who are doubting this because, again, this person is of Hispanic background. It's kind of weird at the very, very least. That was not the only violence attack that took place near the Texas border over the weekend. There was also a terrible attack in Brownsville. According to the Houston Chronicle, seven people were killed after a driver drove a car into multiple pedestrians in Brownsville, Texas on Sunday morning. According to Maria Villarreal of ABC News, more are being treated for serious and minor injuries at local hospitals. Apparently, the police had a male suspect in custody. They said he was being taken to the hospital under a 24-hour guard watch where he's being tested for alcohol and drug use. The victims were waiting at an unmarked city bus stop outside of a migrant shelter when an SUV struck them around 8.30 a.m. The crash was captured by a surveillance video camera. It's the only overnight shelter in Brownsville. It manages the release of migrants from federal custody. It's not yet known whether the crash was accidental or intentional. The one thing we do know is that the driver is apparently Hispanic male and he's a resident of Brownsville. So again... We'll see what the speculation looks like from the media. Is it intentional? Is it white supremacy from another Hispanic person? We don't know the answer to any of this yet. But the problem is, if that, if that evidence emerges, or if the narrative emerges, and the media start pushing 
a particular narrative. A lot of people are going to doubt that narrative because they are not even-handed in how they approach all ideologies of evil. Meanwhile, Democrats are doing exactly what they do, and they're blaming Republicans. So Joe Biden has now come out and blamed Republicans for the Allen, Texas shooting. He said in a statement, quote, too many families have empty chairs at their dinner tables. Republican members of Congress cannot continue to meet this epidemic with a shrug. Tweeted thoughts and prayers are not enough. Now, he has yet to actually explain what he would do in order to stop mass shootings other than presumably ban, quote unquote, assault weapons. The problem is that the person in this particular shooting was also armed with a handgun. So unless he is going to you know, somehow magically deprive people of the guns they already own through a gun confiscation regime, or unless he's going to also ban the sale of handguns, he's going to have a real tough time. According to Joe Biden, however, American communities have suffered roughly 200 mass shootings this year, according to leading counts. More than 14,000 of our fellow citizens have lost their lives. Credible estimates show the leading cause of death for American kids is gun violence. And now again, he is not actually addressing the vast majority of shooting cases, which do not like look like this mass shooting in, in Allen, Texas. They look like gang shootings or innocent people caught caught in the crossfire between gangs. But again, that doesn't fit the narrative. So those are not the kinds of crimes that we cover here in the United States. Meanwhile, Dick Durbin of Illinois, which last I checked has a city called Chicago right in the middle of it, in which gun crime is at epic levels. He says that if you really don't like mass shootings, you should vote Democrat, which is weird because I've noticed that a lot of people get shot in Chicago every single weekend. Do you think there is any appetite for any more potential bipartisan efforts to build on the law, perhaps to expand the red flag laws to keep guns out of out of the hands of people who are a danger to themselves or others. Uh, or is the, the message to Americans who are tired of living like this simply that that's it, there's nothing more Congress is going to do? There is something more that America can do, and it's called an election. And if people across America are fed up with these mass shootings and killings and the terrible things that are happening even to our children as a result of it, they're going to vote accordingly. Yeah, they're all going to vote Democrat in order to stop people from being shot predominantly in Democrat-run cities. Genius kind of level stuff. That Chuck Todd, of course, in the media, again, the media doing their thing. Their nerves are that every shooting is either caused by white supremacy or the gun itself. Those are the only two real causes of violence in the United States. White supremacy or the gun itself. Every other cause must be put out to pasture. It can't be mental illness. It can't be, it can't be black and white violence. It cannot be gang violence. None of those things matter. The only two causes of actual violence in the United States, according to our mainstream media, are the presence of guns in American society and white supremacy. Here's Chuck Todd doing the presence of gun in American society. This is the second deadliest mass shooting this calendar year. When we came on the air last week, by the way, we were following the manhunt for another Texas gunman who had fatally shot five people after he was asked by a neighbor to simply stop firing his gun in his yard. This week, six people were killed in Henrietta, Oklahoma. In Atlanta, a gunman opened fire in a waiting room at a medical office building, killing one and injuring four others. And yet, despite the uptick in mass shootings this year, there's been no change in the political response to this growing gun violence crisis. It's yet another example of our broken political situation where polarization has made mm. governing and action and any action impossible. The basis of both parties punish anybody that seeks any sort of common ground. It's polarization. That's the problem. That's why you have to vote universally for the Democrats. So they can ram things through. Now, he noted he noted several shootings in that particular little monologue right there. One of the shootings that he noted was one that was right on the border of Texas in which an illegal immigrant shot a bunch of other people who also happen to be illegal immigrants. But that's not an immigration problem that we should have a discussion over. That's merely a gun problem. In that Atlanta shooting, it was a black shooter. So it wasn't a question of ideology anymore. Now it's just a question of the gun. 
Again, when, when the media restrict the narratives that they allow you to hear, it is what creates lack of faith. And then the media are like, well, we don't have any unity. Why don't we have any unity? Why, why is it all political polarization all the way down? Because of you. Because of you. If you refuse to name the motivations in certain shootings, but only in other shootings, if you all the time suggest that the only causes of real problem in American society are white supremacy and the Second Amendment, are you shocked that people stop believing you? They know you're lying. They know you're lying. And speaking of a case in which you're lying, we'll get to the Jordan Neely case momentarily. First, you never know when breaking news is going to hit, which is why I rely on my phone, right? My phone coverage has to be good at all times. And this is why I rely on Pure Talk. Remember the last time you got a free phone? You started out, you're feeling good. Then came the hefty activation fees, the four-line requirements, and of course, that binding contract. Well, Pure Talk is now giving you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. When you switch over to Pure Talk's unlimited talk and text data plan, it comes with a mobile hotspot. You'll get 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right. Unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You will be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? Well, because I use Pure Talk. Make the switch over to Pure Talk. It's the cell phone wireless company I'm proud to stand behind because they also stand behind our mission at Daily Wire. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team helped me make the switch in as little as 10 minutes. They'll make it very easy for you as well. Just head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Get your free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. That is puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk. Wireless for Americans by Americans. Go check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Get that free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for that unlimited talk text and unlimited data package. Alrighty, so meanwhile, the media continue to lie about the situation surrounding Jordan Neely. They're they're ginning up race riots. It's it's an, it's it's almost summer. It's about that time of year when we gotta have some race riots because the media needs something to cover. And so they've decided that this case of Jordan Neely, who is a mentally ill career criminal black man on the subway system, threatening people for the umpteenth time with an outstanding warrant for punching a 67-year-old woman in the face. And he was put in a submission hold by a, a U.S. Marine, and then he died. The media have decided this is another case of white supremacy, and they're going to go out of their way to make it into a case about white supremacy because, again, there are only two causes of crime in the United States, white supremacy and guns. All other causes of crime go away. Now, it's very obvious in Jordan Neely's case exactly why this happened. The reason this happened is because the governance in the city of New York when it comes to crime is absolute sheer unremitting garbage. It's truly horrible. You're talking about letting people with dozens of arrest convictions out over and over and over again. People who have clear mental illness, you will not involuntarily commit them. So instead, you just keep shoving them into the jail system. Over That's the real reason. But we're not going to have a conversation about that. Instead, we'll have a conversation about the evils of race in America. Now, I want to start this off by pointing out that the, the video that everybody saw of the Jordan Neely death was only part of the video. So now the full video has emerged of Jordan Neely's death. And what you will see in this video is that after the submission hold, when Neely starts to physically suffer, right, when he's having trouble breathing, the Marine in this case, who's supposed to be murdering him, according to the media and according to AOC, this Marine puts him in the recovery position, like attempts to put him in the recovery and continues to ride the subway until the medical personnel can arrive. That's typically not what murderers do. Typically, if you kill somebody, you run away. That is not what this Marine did. Okay, here's the rest of the video. Okay, you can see him. He puts him in the uh, sideways onto his side so that he can supposedly breathe better. And you can see there's another man there who's helping out who is uh, who's a black man. And there are other passengers who are thanking the Marine for having helped prevent this person from doing violence to them. Now, the Marine in this case 
is a person named Daniel Penny. Daniel Penny is a 24-year-old U.S. Marine from Long Island. He's between deployments right now. According to his lawyers, he never intended to harm Mr. Neely and could not have foreseen his untimely death. When Mr. Neely began aggressively threatening Daniel Penny and the other passengers, Daniel, with the help of others, acted to protect themselves until help arrived. He's an infantry squad leader at the U.S. Marine Corps. He's worked for multiple years as an instructor of water survival as well as an infantry squad leader. Prior to this, he was an infantry assault uh, assaultman. And apparently he's also taken part in a bunch of courses, including advanced assault Marine course, an urban breachers course, and a water survival course. It is unclear at this point whether Daniel Penny is still going to be charged. Now, the actual reason why this, why Jordan Neely was on the street threatening people for years on end is very clear. Okay, the, the, the reason that, that he was on the street is because the system failed him over and over and over again. So the New York Times is a long piece over the weekend about Jordan Neely and who he was. So first, the media have decided that he was simply a very sympathetic person who did Michael Jackson dances in the subway system. And those are all the videos that have been passed around by the mainstream media. The media very frequently do this. In controversial cases, particularly race-based cases, what they will do is they will take, when it comes to a white on black crime or alleged crime, they'll take pictures of the person who is the victim, and then they will use pictures that are like five years old. Or they'll use people, again, we're talking about controversial situations, not when it's like a clear victim. When that happens, you will see pictures that are not most recent taken to make the victim appear as innocent as possible, as opposed to a person who may have been involved in the crime or in the controversial situation. The most obvious example being Michael Brown, the, the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, Missouri, in which Michael Brown actually attacked a police officer. When the media trotted that out, the picture they used of Michael Brown was Michael Brown at graduation. The picture they did not use of Michael Brown was the video of Michael Brown essentially beating up a store manager at a, at a local storefront minutes earlier. Okay, so when it comes to Jordan Neely, they're doing some of the same sort of stuff. They're ignoring all of the video footage of Jordan Neely getting aggressive with people. They're ignoring all that stuff. Instead, they're going with, look at him dance like Michael Jackson, which is not the reason why he was in a headlock. Nobody headlocks the Michael Jackson impersonator. Somebody might headlock the guy who is violently threatening a bunch of people, including women, on the subway system. So what exactly happened with Jordan? Again, this is super uncontroversial. You want to talk about bipartisan solutions? This is one where everybody should be on the same page, but we can't be on the same page because the media have decided that we cannot have this conversation. The conversation we must have is about the evils of white supremacy. We'll get to that in just one second. First, the world feels like it's unraveling. A lot of confusion out there. You remember just a couple of years ago during COVID when you went to the grocery store and there was nothing on the shelves and when the warehouses were closed down and when you couldn't go to a restaurant. You remember all of that? Well, that kind of stuff, it, it can happen again, not just because of COVID or something, also because of a natural disaster. God forbid some sort of terrorist attack. There are a lot of reasons for that. And so just to be safe, it would be smart to have enough emergency food on hand. You need to order your three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. With each kit you order, you receive a bonus bundle of essential survival gear worth over 200 bucks for free. You can cross emergency food and survival gear off your list with My Patriot Supply. That three-month emergency food kit offers your family peace of mind no matter what happens. Get over 2,000 calories a day of delicious food that'll keep you fed for a long time to come. Don't put off your preparedness any longer. Tomorrow could be too late. Go to preparewithben.com. Save 200 bucks on each kit your family needs. Again, go to preparewithben.com right now. That is preparewithben.com. How exactly is it going to hurt to have that stuff on hand? Go to preparewithben.com right now. Okay, so this New York Times piece makes pretty clear exactly what happened with Jordan Neely in his life. According to the New York Times, Neely's childhood was abruptly derailed when he was 14. He lived with his mother, Christy Neely, and her boyfriend in an apartment in Bayonne, New Jersey. Reached last week, his father declined to comment. So first of all, start off with a broken home. Shocking. 
I know the conversations we're not allowed to have in America. If you grew up in a broken home, you're significantly more likely to fall between the cracks of American society. In 2007, his mom disappeared. Her body was found stuffed in a suitcase in the Bronx. She had been strangled and her boyfriend was charged with murder. So that is likely to derail your life. The relationship had been crazy. Daniel Neely testified at the boyfriend's trial when he was 19, a fight every day. Neely attended Washington Irving High School in Manhattan, where classmates were aware of his loss. Perhaps to deflect from talking about his painful experience, he leaned into his childhood love of Michael Jackson, which by then had grown into a fine imitation. But then Neely dropped out of school. Again, we are, this is like a checklist of failures of American society. People growing up in single mom homes with abusive boyfriends and then dropping out of high school. Okay, this is like, you want to you create a chart of how to fall between the cracks of American society and end up in horrible situations? This is it right here. Neely dropped out. In later years, he turned up on social media, executing highly choreographed Michael Jackson impersonations in the subways, dressed like the performer in his prime. He was well-known for years to social work teams that reach out to homeless people on the subways. He had hundreds of encounters with them, according to an employee of the Bowery Residence Committee, a nonprofit organization that does subway outreach for the city. Neely was on what outreach workers refer to as the top 50 list, a roster maintained by the city of the homeless people living on the street whom officials consider most urgently in need of assistance and treatment. He was taken to hospitals numerous times, both voluntarily and involuntarily, said an employee. Neely racked up more than three dozen arrests, most of the sort that people living on the street often accrue while homeless, turnstile jumping, trespassing, at least four were on charges of punching people, two of them in the subway system. Outreach workers noted Neely heavily used K2, the powerful, unpredictable synthetic marijuana. So drug abuser, mentally ill, living on the streets, single parent home, dropped out of high school. I mean, like, again, every possible check mark in June. To, and all of these should lead to, you know, some actual interesting societal conversations about things we can do to prevent this sort of stuff. We're not going to have any of those conversations. We're going to talk about the fact that Jordan Neely was black. We're going to talk about the fact that Daniel Penny was white. That's the thing the media want us to talk about. In June 2019, an outreach worker noticed that Neely had lost considerable weight and was sleeping upright. Around that time, he was reported to have banged on a booth agent's door and threatened to kill her, according to the worker's notes. And then he was gone. In November of 2021, Neely punched a 67-year-old woman in the street on the Lower East Side, breaking her nose. He was charged with assault and, awaiting the resolution of his case, spent 15 months in jail. He pled guilty in a carefully planned strategy between the city and his lawyers to allow him to get treatment and stay out of prison. The judge said this, do you know what the goal is today? Yes, Neely said. What is the goal? To make it physically and mentally to the program. He was to go from court to live at a treatment facility in the Bronx and stay clean for 15 months. In return, his felony conviction would be reduced. He promised to take medication and to avoid drugs and not to leave the facility without permission. 13 days later, he abandoned the facility and a warrant was issued for his arrest. Oh, you mean it's a giant failure of our mental health and criminal justice systems that you just, do you promise to be a good boy? Do you promise that you're going to go to get the medication that you need and, and to get clean? I totally promise. 13 days later, gone. And then he shows up next on the subway harassing people where he's put into a submission hold by Daniel Penny. On April 9th, when outreach workers approached him in a subway car at the end of the line in Coney Island, Neely urinated in front of them. When the outreach worker went to call the police, Neely shouted, just wait until they get here. I got something for you. Just wait and see. Officers then arrived and ejected him from the train, apparently unaware of the arrest warrant. Five days after that, an outreach, saw, an outreach worker saw him in Coney Island and noted he was aggressive and incoherent. He could be a harm to others or himself if left untreated, said the worker. Two weeks later, he was riding the F train, and that's when he got in this confrontation with Daniel Penny. Here is the um, and, and here is the headline from CNN of all that. Jordan Neely, the man, remem- the man killed in chokehold on NYC subway, is remembered as an entertainer shattered by his mother's murder. Oh, is that how he's remembered? As opposed to a career homeless person, criminal and drug abuser, who is left to, who is left to percolate in his own misery by the city of New York 
and then died because he was harassing people on the subway system. And this, this is the way that this works. Only one narrative is the narrative that, that is important for us to discuss on a national level, not how we treat the mentally ill, not the fact that if you look at a chart of people who are in mental facilities and a chart of people in jail, go back in time, what it looks like is people in mental facilities here and then it drops radically. And if you see people in jail, it goes up. We're treating, we're using law enforcement to treat mental illness now because of the idiotic move during the 1960s and 70s to deinstitutionalize people. One of the worst moves in American history, particularly people with mental health disorders. But we're not going to have that conversation. We're going to have the race conversation. So Al Sharpton is out front saying the Marine must be prosecuted. I say, I know y'all got to do an investigation, do what you got to do. I'm not attacking nobody, but I'm saying that these, this man needs to be prosecuted. Because what you will do if you do not prosecute him, in my judgment, is you will set a standard of vigilantism that we cannot tolerate. The precedent alone is a threat to all of us. That if we tolerate people on the subways defending themselves, that's a threat. The threat is not the city. The threat is not people on the subway system who are mentally ill, harassing people, assaulting people, punching 67-year-old women in the nose. That's not the actual threat, according to Al Sharpton. That's a conversation we don't have to have. The threat is white vigilantes taking out black alleged criminals, according to Al Sharpton. That's the real problem. Protesters, of course, have taken up the challenge because we are a bored and ridiculous society. So a bunch of protesters, many of them white, decided they would actually stand in the subway well, like they're actually standing in the subway, like where the trains pass to stop the subway system. Uh, this is uh, what we call a middle-class privilege right here because these are people who apparently don't have jobs or need to get to work. So we're going to hold up everybody else from getting to work by standing in the subway system. Literally standing on the tracks. Screaming, no justice, no peace. And there's the subway train down the tracks, just sitting there. So first of all, let me just point out, uh, these people are absolute tool morons. Absolute idiots. One of, what's what's going to happen if this continues is one of these idiots is going to touch the actual third rail. We're not talking like the third rail of American pots. They'll touch the actual electrified rail and someone will get fried. That, that is what's going to happen. And then it will be the fault of white supremacy again, that some idiot gets fried by touching the uh, third rail. By the way, a city worker even said this. A city worker was like, uh, these people are idiots and someone's going to get killed. The police, there's a huge response right now. Our city is in crisis. Our city is going down the drain. And as you see, they were protesters on the subway tracks. They actually jumped from the platform onto the tracks and they were on the tracks with power, electric. They could have been electrocuted, guys, electrocuted. And there was a train with the lights barreling right towards them. Uh, the motorman and the crew were shaken up. They were all shaken up. Subway service had to be suspended to Queens and parts of Manhattan, impacting thousands of people because of a because of a few, you know, under a hundred people. This is what happens, and this is why the police should have gotten the situation under control earlier, but they did not do that. And this is the situation we're dealing with in our city. But it doesn't matter because again, the narrative must be maintained, and the narrative is white supremacy. The protesters, by the way, also are threatening to tear things up because, you know, it's it's summer. They got to do something. And you got any summer plans? Do your summer plans involve threatening other people, their, their property and persons? Well, then I guess you're not a New Yorker.
We will. Yeah. We're going to tear things up. Good times. Okay, so um, uh, I am going to point out here another crime story that no one cares about. It will not cause any riots. It will not cause any broader conversations. None, because again, this is the way that the media work. The New York Post is the only outlet that I'm aware of to actually cover the story. Quote, authorities in Tulsa are investigating whether a homeless black man shot and killed two white men because of their race. The shooter allegedly murdered the two strangers he had no connection with on April 18th. He went inside a library around 940 a.m. He walked up behind a 35-year-old white man and sadistically shot him in the back of the head. Later that day, he then went to a quick trip convenience store and allegedly shot another person in the back of the head. And then he shot that guy again, leaving him dead at the scene. This shooter, a black homeless man, was also caught on surveillance video firing shots at a security guard and another person outside the quick trip. When officers arrived, he was standing outside the store and admitted to shooting both men, according to the Tulsa Police Department. He was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of shooting with intent to kill, one count of malicious intimidation or harassment. The latter charge is Oklahoma's version of a hate crime. Is this a national news story? We can hear anything about this? Nope, you'll never hear it about it again. It will never make the national news. And then you wonder why people get skeptical of the media narratives, why people start to believe whatever information comes across the transom, why people are simply looking at Twitter and scrolling to see if anybody they trust is giving them better information than the legacy media. It's because of all of this. It's because of all of this. Okay, in just one second, we're going to talk about the presidential race. Joe Biden is falling down on the job. I mean, his poll numbers are egregiously bad. First, our country may be heading in the wrong direction, but PragerU videos could help change the trajectory of the country. PragerU makes educational, pro-America content that has been changing people's minds for over a decade. Their impact is pivotal in these times. Did you know 70% of viewers have changed their minds after watching a PragerU video? 60% of those viewers are under the age of 35. My friends at PragerU are reaching millions of people with their educational videos. They have a long way to go. You can help PragerU reach thousands more by joining Club 5 for just five bucks or more per month. Five bucks per month is only 17 cents per day. Go to PragerU.com slash Club 5 now to join. Your gift is going to ensure that PragerU has the support it needs to be here for the long haul. Join a movement with thousands of fellow patriots in the fight to save America. Help PragerU reach thousands more people with messages of truth, liberty, and American values. Join Club 5 today. Receive a free PragerU bumper sticker plus an ebook of scripts from PragerU's five-minute videos. That's PragerU.com slash Club 5 today. PragerU is a great company. Dennis, of course, a close personal friend. You should go check them out today. They do amazing work. Join Club 5 today. Receive that free PragerU bumper sticker plus an ebook of scripts from PragerU's five-minute videos. PragerU.com slash Club 5 today. Also, folks, you've heard me talk about Jeremy's Razors. That's our answer to woke companies that hate your values but will gladly take your cash. I'm here to remind you we are more than just a razor company. We have a great line of men's staples. Behold! We're talking hair, body, skin care, and yes, beard care. I have that hair and body line with me right now. Let me tell you. These aren't just great products that align with your values. They're high quality. They're made with natural ingredients. There's the tea tree and argan oil-infused shampoo and conditioner, plus the exfoliating charcoal body wash. They smell delightful. They'll keep your hair, body, and conscience clean. You won't be giving your cash to leftist companies who hate your guts. They're also 100% sulfate-free, paraben-free, woke-free, made right here in the United States of America. Head on over to jeremysrazors.com. Kick those woke companies out of your bathroom today. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is facing down a series of rolling crises of their own making. Title 42 is slated to end this week, and everybody understands this is going to mean tens of thousands of arrivals on our southern border. We are talking millions coming across our southern border over the course of the year. In fact, here is some video from Bill Malugan. He's done an amazing job of covering this stuff from the border. Here's some video of the border over the weekend. There is a line of people who are amassing at the border to get in. Look at this line. <laughs> These people showing up at America's southern border. Does this look like people who think they're about to get turned away and sent back to El Salvador or sent back to 
Venezuela or sent back to the variety of countries from which they come? Are these people who look like that? Or does this look like a giant line of people who are about to get into Disneyland? And because that's really what they think. And by the way, they're probably correct. They're going to be put into migrant facilities and then they will be given a, why don't you come back a little bit later date and we will assess whether you actually have a realistic asylum claim. And then they will just disappear into the interior. And then 15 years down the road, Democrats will decide that they actually have been here through no fault of their own and we should give them some form of amnesty. They understand this, which is why they are here. Everything changed when Barack Obama decided in 2012 that he was going to unilaterally go around Congress and simply legalize millions of people. When that happened, Everybody understood that there was a giant neon flashing light above the American border that said, come on in, the weather's great. And that's what's been happening ever since. Alejandro Mayorkas, in an attempt to pretend that he actually knows what the hell he is doing, the deputy, the, the Department of Homeland Security had, he actually visited the border. Uh, he, did not, he did not speak well for himself. Our border is secure. The border is secure because we <laughs> are maximizing our resources to deliver the most effective results to our border with the most extraordinary workforce in the world. But Hidalgo County Sheriff Eddie Guerra disagrees. Is our border secure? Well, I can tell you no. There's a lot of places on the southwest, southwestern border that the our federal partners do not have control. And by the way, if by secure, you mean that even the people who are processed normally just get released into the interior, then sure, it's secure. Because that's actually what's happening right now. Apparently, there are over 2,000 migrants, including kids, sleeping on the streets of downtown El Paso, according to Jorge Ventura Media. And they expect those numbers to skyrocket once Title 42 expires. The New York Times has already reported that thousands of kids have been trafficked across the American border, and then they're just sent to essentially slave labor inside the United States, thanks to the Biden administration. The Biden administration was talked, they were told about it, they did nothing. Even Democrats are upset about this so long as they actually live on the border. Representative Henry Cuellar, who's a Democrat from Texas, he said, I stopped even bothering calling the White House. They're, they're not doing anything. Do you have confidence in Secretary Mayorkas? I do. You know, I, I do. I, I just uh, think that there were other forces, and I'll leave it like that, that were holding them back, holding uh, the career people like Troy Miller and like Raul Ortiz and other, you know, the Border Patrol chiefs that we have down there. What are we the forces holding them back? It's a White House. I mean, quite honestly, there were some staffers at the White House that I stopped talking to the White House. I just talked to Homeland because their perspective was very different from our perspective. It was okay to try to bring in as many people. But I always say, look, I believe in immigration, but when is enough enough? And the answer for the Biden administration is it's never enough. And so it's going to get worse and worse and worse again. One Brownsville, Texas resident named Deborah Bell, she says Mayorkas doesn't care. Nobody cares. They're just inundating our town with illegal immigrants who are coming across the border. Now, Secretary Mayorkas did not, to my knowledge, meet with just the residents here. But had you had an opportunity to speak directly to Secretary Mayorkas, what would you have said to him? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would ask him if he even cares about us. Because I have to take my son to school, um, who, who's, his school is kind of in the middle of this, and it's, it's cruel to not have a plan in place for all of the people you're supposed to represent, and then yet you're bringing thousands more over, and then you have the audacity to lie to the American people about it, who are having to live in this daily? It's unacceptable. He keeps talking about humanity and being compassionate and cutting out the cartel. And it's just lip service. 
It is just lip service. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, he's it's amazing. He's so afraid of his left wing that he, he just activated 1500 troops to go down to the border. But he has to promise his left wing guys, don't worry, they're not actually policing the border. This is this is what we call ideological capture. You got the husk of an elderly Democrat human being who has now been mind melded with Bernie Sanders. It's unbelievable. And why is this even a necessary line? Uh, what does he think he's winning? He should say that he is sending 1,500 troops to secure the border. But he has to maintain the lie, on the one hand, that the border is already secure. And on the other hand, he has to wink and nod to his left-wing base that he's going to let as many people through as possible. We're in a situation now where those 1,500 people at the border, they're not there to enforce the law. They're there to free up the border agents that need to be on the border. And we're having another thousand people coming in their asylum judges to make judgments to move things along. Why, why, why feel the need to deny that? It's amazing. It's amazing. Meanwhile, Representative Yvette Clark, Democrat of New York, she sort of let the cat out of the bag. She said, well, maybe the reason that we're doing this is to put pressure on the Republicans to pass comprehensive immigration reform. So I guess the plan for Democrats is we're going to threaten you with millions of illegal immigrants entering the country so that you will pass a bill that allows millions of illegal immigrants to enter the country. And that if that's the logic, wow. I think what uh, Secretary Mayorkas has prepared with the uh, CBP one app that enables people to actually apply for asylum, uh, seek a pathway to the United States via an app it is a laudable um, endeavor. And at the same time, it's critical that we build the pressure for comprehensive immigration reform. Mm-hmm. You know, people are coming to the U.S. because where their their homes of origin have become in hospitable and inhumane in terms of their safety, their security, and the promise for the future for them and their families. Oh, well, then, then I guess that um, you're going to use the threat of destroying America's border in order to get people to actually sign off on the destruction of America's border. Great stuff. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to struggle on the economy as well. There's a jobs report that came out end of last week. Pretty good jobs report. What it really means, the Fed is going to have to keep raising those rates. As the Fed raises those rates, it squeezes the banks because the banks have a lot of their asset base in bonds that have now been devalued, which means the Fed is going to have to step in and fill in all of that money. That money is going to have to come from somewhere. It's going to create more inflation. So they now have a cycle in which every time they try to stop inflation, they actually have to increase inflation. It's a disaster area. Meanwhile, we are coming up on the debt limit as well. Because Joe Biden refuses to even negotiate with people on the other side, the debt limit is approaching and it's approaching fast. Now, Joe Biden is basically saying, I may just ignore the debt limit. Because after all, this is the trajectory of the American presidency over the course of my lifetime. It started off with, remember that time that the legislature was a co-equal branch of government? It used to be first among equals. Now it's a co-equal branch of government, or it was. Now it's not even that. It's, it's a tertiary branch of government. It's, a, it's an evolutionary overhang. It's a vestigial organ of American government. Because now people like Joe Biden, they can just ignore the debt ceiling entirely. Here was Joe Biden saying that. But this is a very volatile Congress. There are members of Congress that might be okay with us defaulting, because they that. think it could hurt you more politically. No. Given that, are you prepared to invoke the 14th Amendment and blow through the debt ceiling? I've not gotten there yet. And here's the deal. I think that, first of all, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a different... No, sir. A, a different group. And I think that we have to make it clear to the American people that I am prepared to negotiate in detail with their budget. No, you are not. You are not. In other words, if you guys give up your leverage, I'll negotiate with you. Uh, No, that's not how negotiations work. 
The good news is that if you are a Democrat, you can continue to maintain this this fiction that you can unilaterally take over the spending mechanisms of government despite not actually running the House. And you can do so by getting your paid shills like Lawrence Tribe to, to shill for you. Lawrence Tribe this is an amazing thing. So Lawrence Tribe, who used to actually be sort of an interesting constitutional commentator, I never agreed with him, but he at least attempted to engage with the Constitution. Now, all that happens is that the Democrats call him up and like, can you give us a legal excuse to do what we want to do? He's like, sure, why not? So he has a piece over at the New York Times today called Why I Changed My Mind on the Debt Limit. Now, the short answer to this is because it's convenient. Because it's convenient. He writes in this piece, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment says the validity of the public debt shall not be questioned. Proponents of the unconstitutionality argument say when Congress enacted the debt limit, effectively forcing the U.S. to stop borrowing to honor its debts when that limit was reached, it built a violation of that constitutional command into our fiscal structure. And that as a result, that limit and all that followed are invalid. I've never agreed with that argument. It raises thorny questions about the appropriate way to interpret the task. The text, does Section 4 read properly prohibit anything beyond putting the federal government into default? If so, what actions does it forbid? Most important, could this interpretation open the door for dangerous presidential overreach if Section 4 empowers the president single-handedly to declare laws he likes unconstitutional? And then Lawrence Tribe says this, I still worry about those questions, but I've come to believe they are the wrong ones for us to be asking. So, oh, that's convenient. So the question now isn't whether the president can tear up the debt limit statute to ensure the Treasury Department can continue paying bills. The question isn't whether the president can, in effect, become a one-person Supreme Court. The right question is whether Congress can invoke an arbitrary dollar limit to force the president and his, and his administration to do its bidding. The answer is yes. That's liter- They literally are given the power of the purse. Of course the Congress is able to negotiate with the president of the United States over spending. So, but Lawrence Tribe, again, what, what a, it just demonstrates what a joke left-wing constitutional interpretation is. He admits in the piece that he understands that the 14th Amendment does not bar Congress from setting debt limits. And then he's like, yeah, but you know what? That's becoming really inconvenient. So I flipped here because I just don't like the Congress. I don't like the Republicans run it. Man, Democrats, they, they are willing to do literally everything on behalf of power. Well, none of this is benefiting Joe Biden in the polls. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, my team knows I need my Black Rifle coffee every single morning. Like I really, really need it. My daughter, the, the three-year-old, she woke me up at six o'clock this morning. It was very cute. Also, I'm tired. I needed my Black Rifle coffee because Black Rifle coffee literally fuels the Daily Wire. Our office drinks about 40 pounds of their coffee every single week. If you haven't tried Black Rifle coffee yet, you should. A great place to start is their Complete the Mission fuel sampler. It gives you a taste of the entire spectrum of Black Rifle coffee flavor profiles. Offering four ounce bags of the following roasts. The Silencer Smooth, AK-47 Espresso, Beyond Black and Just Black. The only hard part will be picking a favorite amongst these classic roasts. Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-founded coffee company operated by principled men and women who honor those who protect, defend, and support the country. With every purchase you make, they give back. Stop running out of coffee. Sign up for a Coffee Club subscription. Have Black Rifle Coffee delivered directly to your door on a schedule. Coffee Club subscribers receive their high-quality coffee at lower prices with free shipping. Plus, they get early access to exclusive deals and prices as well. Head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com and use promo code Shapiro at checkout for 10% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro, get 10% off. You can also find Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores near you. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. Meanwhile, Joe Biden isn't just failing on the domestic front. He's also failing on the foreign front. So according to the Wall Street Journal, Joe Biden is now looking to China to solve the problem in Ukraine. Hey, this is so Obama. Do you remember Barack Obama? He declared a red line in Syria. He said if Bashar Assad uses chemical weapons in Syria, that will be a red line. Then Bashar Assad used weapons that were chemical in Syria. And, and Barack was like, oh, I don't know about that. Well, you know, I feel bad. That's, that's not great. And Vladimir Putin came in and was like, I'll run this place. And Barack was like, that sounds good, Vlad, you do it. 
And that is why Russia now has a presence in Syria. The same thing is now happening in Ukraine. So after a year of the United States funding the war in Ukraine, I think correctly to repel the Russian invasion, now, because Joe Biden refuses to articulate a way out of this morass, they're turning to China. According to the Wall Street Journal, some U.S. and European officials said they believe that Ukraine's planned spring offensive could pave the way for negotiations between Kiev and Moscow by the end of the year, and China could help bring Russia to the table. The willingness to encourage negotiations and seek out a role for China in talks represents a shift in Western thinking, particularly in the United States, which has been highly skeptical of any involvement for Beijing, giving China's longstanding support for Moscow. Secretary of State Antony Blinken publicly expressed cautious optimism recently. Beijing could help defuse the conflict. The approach is based on the belief that neither side has the ability to continue fighting indefinitely and that Beijing's willingness to play a role in international peace talks should be tested. Still, they remain uncertain about Russia's willingness to negotiate a ceasefire. So we're now going to bring Russia to the table and empower Russia in all of uh, China in all of this. We're going to empower China. So this entire war was justified on the basis of several things. One, Russia invading a sovereign country, taking over its capital, bad. Got it. Two, degrading Russia's military such that they could not invade surrounding nations would be a good thing. Achieved. Three, minimizing both Russia and China's influence in Europe because Russia would cut itself off in terms of oil, which they did, and that made Europe more dependent on the United States. And meanwhile, China was backing Russia, which meant that Europe should not be looking with warm eyes toward China, especially given China's aggression and, and, and the, the, their attempt to take over Taiwan. And somehow Joe Biden has blown that third one. So he, he's now going to bring China back to the table and make China a part of this negotiation. Just genius level stuff from a man who refuses all leadership when offered to him. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. Meanwhile, speaking of the failures of the Biden administration on the Middle East, it is impossible to see how Biden could have failed any worse than he's failed in the Middle East. He has empowered Iran. He has fostered a budding relationship between Saudi Arabia and China and Iran. And now the Arab League has decided to readmit Syria. According to the New York Times, when Syria's neighbors and peers ejected it from the 22-member league in November, uh, November of 2011, months after the Arab Spring uprising began, the move was seen as a key condemnation of a government that had bombed, gassed, and tortured protesters. Now, the region is normalizing relations, increasingly convinced that Arab countries are gaining little from isolating Syria as the United States has urged them to. That leaves Syria poised for a triumphant return this month in Saudi Arabia at the Arab League's next summit, perhaps represented by Bashar al-Assad. So Joe Biden has now ushered in a new era of pan-Arabic cooperation or pan-Islamic cooperation across this region in opposition to American interests. Just slow clap for this genius. Well, I, I wonder why Joe Biden is failing in the polls. Brand new poll is out. It's a Washington Post-ABC News poll, and it is devastatingly bad for Joe Biden. In fact, even George Stephanopoulos, who is the lackey du jour for this, this administration, Literally, the, the fact that, again, it'll never cease to astonish me that George Stephanopoulos poses as some sort of objective moderator when he literally was the press, the press man for Hillary Clinton. Here's George Stephanopoulos talking about Joe Biden's approval rating. Our brand new poll conducted with The Washington Post, it shows major challenges for President Biden. His approval ratings at 36 percent, a career low. More Americans now say Donald Trump did a better job handling the economy and Trump is leading Biden in a 2024 matchup. Oh, well, that's not good for Joe Biden. Now, Republicans, I think, can be taken in very easily by the poll, suggesting that Biden is eminently beatable. And they might think, okay, well, we can nominate whoever. Well, let's see how durable this poll is, right? Again, the poll shows that Trump would beat Biden by about seven points. Same poll shows DeSantis beating Biden by about seven points. So what this really says, the American people don't like Joe Biden very much. But let's see what the polls continue to show as Donald Trump continues to lead that Republican presidential primary. What the polls really suggest is that people don't like Joe Biden, like at all. 
question in the poll. Would you like the Democratic Party to nominate Biden to run for a second term as president? Or would you like the Democratic Party to nominate somebody else? Democratic leading adults, 58% somebody else. Woo. 64% if you include no opinion. Democrats split evenly, 47-47 on whether they want Biden to be the nominee. This guy's the incumbent president. Independents, 77% say they do not want Joe Biden to be the nominee. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Biden is handling his job as president? He's back down to 36% in the polling data. Again, 54% of Americans say that Trump did a better job with the economy than Biden, which obviously is true. We didn't have a 40-year high in inflation. As far as, do you think Biden or Trump is honest and trustworthy? They think Biden is more honest than Trump by about an eight percentage point margin, 41 to 33. When asked who has the mental sharpness it takes to serve effectively as president, 54 to 32 Trump. In good enough physical health to serve effectively as president, 64, 33 Trump. As far as general election matchups, in a Trump versus Biden matchup, you have about 36% say they would definitely vote for Trump compared to 32% for Biden. Another 9% say they would probably vote for Trump versus 6% who they'd probably vote for Biden, 18% undecided. So that puts Trump's numbers in that general election matchup at 45% in terms of definitely or likely to vote for him. And it puts Joe Biden at 38. So 47 to 38 in that particular, 45 to 38 in that particular poll. Same poll shows DeSantis versus Biden, 42 to 37. So what that really says is that people really don't like Joe Biden at all. Now, Republicans are going to have to earn more than 42% if it's Ron DeSantis. And they're probably going to have to earn more than 45% 45 ain't going to put you over the top. The real question is whether those 18%, how those 18% split in the Trump versus Biden vote and how the 21% split in the DeSantis versus Biden vote. Again, this is the question for every election. Because in the lead up to every election, it's those undecideds in the middle who represent the, the entire margin of defeat or victory for a candidate. In 2016, independents who are deciding on the last day split in favor of Trump. Trump won. In 2020, they split in favor of Biden. Biden won. How they split in the case of Trump versus Biden? Who knows? DeSantis versus Biden? Who knows? The same poll, by the way, showed that 56% of Americans say that Trump should face criminal charges over 2020. 54% say they want him to face criminal charges over classified documents. So, does that mean the Republican, that, that generally speaking, the voters want to see Donald Trump as the guy facing Joe Biden? No, but the voters don't get to choose Biden. Democratic primary voters do. Voters don't get to choose Trump overall. Republican primary voters do. So, man, we are, we are headed for, it's going to be a hell of an election cycle. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to just be awful at this. I mean, truly awful. So he's asked over the weekend about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden may very well be indicted in the very near future particularly over his gun crimes. I mean, he literally took a gun and threw it in a garbage bin. And you want to talk about mishandling guns? That would, that would be high on the list. Joe Biden was asked about this. And Joe Biden was like, Hunter has never done any, anything wrong ever. He's the great, I love him. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him, and it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. It affects my presidency by making me feel proud of him? I have a question. What exactly about Hunter's behavior makes you proud of him? I'd love to know. Like, seriously, love to know. Now, I understand. You know, if Joe Biden is he's trying to be a good dad, let's take, let's take the most kind of, the most friendly view of Joe Biden possible. He's trying to be a, a good dad who's making his derelict son feel better about himself. He doesn't want to rip on, on, on national TV. But... What's the message that you're putting out generally? The message you're putting out generally is that you don't care that your son's a criminal. Your son is a criminal. Hunter Biden is a garbage heap. He is a flaming bag of hot trash. 
between fathering children with strippers and the, and doing cocaine off carpets. And what is it? Name a sin that Hunter Biden has not committed. You're, it's very difficult to imagine them at this point, honestly. The Wall Street Journal points out that Joe Biden sounding off on this sort of stuff isn't exactly great, especially because, again, his attorney general, Merrick Garland, is the one who's going to have to review the case when the president says that he sees nothing here. And then Merrick Garland is the one who works for him. That's obviously some inappropriate signaling. He should just say, listen, I can't speak about this. No, I don't speak to law enforcement. I love my son. He can't just he can't do that. So, again, Joe Biden putting himself in a box right here. OK, meanwhile, I have to quick note on the uh, king, the the. On the crowning of King Charles III. So I'm American, so I don't care. Um, the, the only thing about this that is interesting to me is that historic institutions ought to be preserved in Western society as sort of a general rule. So it is a historic moment when Britain crowns a new king for the first time in, what, 80 years? I mean, it's been a long time, 70 years. Here's a little bit of the video of King Charles III being crowned as the 62nd British monarch. Now Charles is formally okay, in and uh, charge. He, he, King he, Charles III crowned today as the 62nd British monarch. I mean, he's not really in charge of anything, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a ceremonial figurehead post, but I kind of like years. ceremonial figurehead post. In fact, the, the, case for a, the, the case for an American monarchy has actually gotten stronger only in the sense that we already have a monarchy. We just elect him, and then he actually has power. So our elected monarch actually has power. Their monarch has no power. Their monarch just kind of sits around and spends a lot of their money and carries around really shiny objects. Like, that guy's got an orb. So first of all, cool orb. Like the orb, he's also got a sword and a scepter, which is sweet. And he's got a bejeweled St. Edward's crown placed atop his head. Uh, Harry, Prince Harry was sidelined at the King Charles coronation, which uh, is hilarious, and he deserves it because he's a jerk. According to the Wall Street Journal, Prince Harry sat several rows back in Westminster Abbey on Saturday, watching as his older brother, Prince William, knelt and pledged loyalty before his father, King Charles III. So first of all, it would be kind of awesome if there was actually like a royal infight, like the olden days. And, uh, and it was actually like, if Prince William betrayed King Charles and tried to overthrow him, I'd be there for it. I think most, actually most, I think many of the members of, of, the, of the British nobility would be there for it as well. The moment halfway through the King's coronation was a striking image of a family disunited and a reminder of the differing paths the two royal brothers have taken in the last three years. So Prince Harry was relegated to the back row. Apparently, Meghan Markle did not show up. On Saturday, Prince Harry was in London for a whistle-stop tour without his wife, Meghan Markle. Both had been invited to the service, but Ms. Markle opted to stay in California with her children. Yeah, man, it's so awkward, and I and I kind of I kind of love it. Uh, the the thing that I that I do hate, and it's really obnoxious, is this attempt now. It's like you know, now is an amazing time to talk about the history of British slavery. Is now an amazing time to talk about that, and also why? I just I, like question. So, Christian Amanpour decided now is like an amazing time to talk about that, which is weird because um Britain ended slavery literally throughout the world in the 1800s. So, if it had not been for Britain. Slavery would still be the rule rather than the exception across the world. So yes, did Britain engage in the slave trade? Sure. Did Britain do some real bad stuff in terms of its colonialism and imperialist policy? Sure. Also, would the world be developed in nearly the same way now if Britain had not been the dominant force on the globe from essentially the 18th century to the mid-20th century? The answer, of course, is no. But now we're supposed to talk about the evils of Great Britain. As opposed, again, Britain literally, because it ruled the seas, was able to stop the global slave trade. 
which, by the way, still continues in a lot of places in Africa and the Middle East, I should point out. Here is a Christian Amanpour, however, going after King Charles, who apparently is pro-slavery or something. The idea of empire has become something that's not as, 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 as wanted as it used to be, clearly for obvious reasons. And that whole colonial experiment it has essentially evaporating, if not evaporated. You know, this is really important to also talk about the idea of reparations and other such things, which this king has said he's willing to, to entertain investigations into even the royal family's history of slavery uh, and the like. And it's really important to talk about this. Uh, is it important? So it's important now to talk about the history. Let, let's talk about reparations. Reparations to whom? From whom? Every time we talk about reparations, nobody asks those two questions. From whom and to whom? It's just like out there. Bad stuff happened in the past. Let's pay some reparations. Okay, do we also have to talk about the fact that um, many of the countries that Britain actually colonialized are doing significantly better economically speaking than the neighbors that Britain did not colonialize? And that actually happens to be an economic fact on the ground in a lot of these places. So how exactly do you calculate that out? How does that become part of the calculus? Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know. We, we simply do not know. Okay, time for a quick thing I like. So Richard Dreyfus, who I really enjoy as a performer, uh, he was asked about the new rules from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which is that you have to have basically diversity requirements for the Oscars. And Richard Dreyfus, uh, that dude does not, he, he does not play. Here's Richard Dreyfus. Starting in 2024, films will be required to meet new inclusion standards um, to be eligible for the Academy Awards for Best Picture. They'll have to have a certain percentage of actors or crew from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. What do you think of these new inclusion standards for films? They make me vomit. Why? Because this is an art form. It's also a, a form of commerce and it makes money, but it's an art. And no one should be telling me as an artist that I have to give in to the latest, most current idea of what morality is. And what are we risking? Are we really risking hurting people's feelings? Okay, yes to Richard Dreyfus here. First of all, you know Richard Dreyfus. He's like, you know what? F it, man. I'm just going to say what I think. And you know how you can tell? Because where he's wearing his glasses. That move where you wear your glasses, like one inch from the end of your nose. That's the move where I just don't care anymore. I'm just going to let this thing fly. So good for Richard Dreyfus. Finally, somebody's speaking out. Yeah, Steven Spielberg, too. So I guess that whole kind of generation is now like, you know what? You guys are ruining art. So could you stop the ruining of the art? Okay, one other thing that I like, because this is just the greatest headline I've ever read. Yeah, this is a headline from the UK Daily Mail. You ready for this? I'm going to read it slowly so you understand. Trans woman is cleared of flashing her penis at three women using Ohio, using Ohio YWMCA. After judge ruled, she's too fat for her genitals to be visible. Yeah, see if you can follow the, I mean, that, that, that tells a tale right there. That is a story. Trans woman cleared of flashing her penis at three women using Ohio YMCA. After judge ruled, she's too fat for her genitals to be visible. That's right. The defense in this particular case was that a trans woman, meaning a dude who flashed his junk at three ladies at the YMCA in the female changing room, could not have done so because he's such a giant fatty that no one could see his twig and berries. That is the defense. Can you imagine that defense being used in court? That's like an amazing defense. They go, sir, madam, madam, you're being uh, prosecuted for indecent exposure of your female penis. Do you have a defense? 
Yeah, I'm Jabba the Hutt. Oh, 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 ah. Case dismissed. You, sir, madam, are indeed an incredible fatty. So fat that you haven't seen your own genitals since the age of 11. Congratulations to you, madam. Your female penis and you are now free. Yes, this is the society we've created for ourselves, and it is going absolutely spectacular. Stick around, because we are going to be joined by Mark Morgan to talk about the immigration crisis at our southern border. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us.